The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more, SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan-friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto-friendly. They've all been well-researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT2020 at SlayRx.com for 10% off. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. We have for you today a race report podcast. We had a whole bunch of race report podcasts slated for 2020, but this is going to be the first one that we kind of did in the format that we did over the course of 2019 and 2018. Uh, we talked to 
Addie Wetzels, who was preparing for Iron Man Cozumel and then ultimately was able to compete in Iron Man Cozumel. And then we circled back around with him a week or so after he finished Iron Man Cozumel and talked to him about his experience there. So we just haven't had a whole lot of these, even though we had several volunteers for this uh, this year, um, all of whom we really appreciated. Um, but as we all know, races just haven't been happening all that much. But Iron Man Cozumel did. Um, and I can tell you that Addy did not take a straightforward path to Iron Man Cozumel. Um, and so he has a lot to share with us in the first part of our interview about that. So We'll hear from Addy here just a few days before he left to go to Mexico to compete in Ironman Cozumel about his training and about some of his expectations and anxieties about the race. Um, I'll pop back in in the middle, um, and then we'll hear the second part of our interview with Addy that we conducted about a week after he had finished the race. All right, we have with us Addy Wetzels. Addy is a father of three and soon to be an Ironman triathlete. Thanks for being here, Addy. Thanks for having me, George. Happy to so, be here. It, it is, you're getting ready for Ironman Cozumel, but it has not been a straightforward path to get to the starting line of Oz Cozumel. <laughs> uh, take, us, take us through it. It was a typical 2020 path, I think. <laughs> uh, so take you through it. I'll, I'll start a little, little while back. I started uh, triathlon in 2018 and started with sprints and, and Olympics. And at some point I found myself um, strolling through YouTube every evening and uh, with me on the couch, my son at that point, eight years old. And, uh, and at some point you, 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 you search for inspiration triathlon or inspiration Ironman. And you see those eight minute or 20 minute videos about all those Ironman events. And I just looked at my son and said, you know what? By the time it's 2020, your dad's going to be an Ironman. Right so um and before I, and, I, and to him it was just like oh okay whatever and to me, like <laughs> what did i just say it's like i have to do this now so 2019 was for me a a ramp up year if you will i did my first half ironman my first ever marathon which some went well some didn't uh, but at least i got some some uh, experience there so then i sat down with my coach uh late 2019 and i i guess just like you or just like everybody else was listening um we anticipated the normal 2020 mm -hmm. um so we had a couple of uh, sprints and a couple of half marathons and and two half ironman and then ultimately it was going to be ironman louisville i think in october that was going to be it right um well we all know what happened in the meantime so just about everything got canceled mm -hmm. um and then when Louisville got canceled, there was still Ironman Arizona and Ironman Florida that were on the calendar that were not yet postponed or canceled. Mm -hmm. Florida was full and I got a slot for Ironman Arizona. So very excited, signed up for that one. Um, and uh, only recently we heard, as recent as last week, Thursday, which is about 10 days out, we heard that's going to wow. be canceled as well. So wow. bummer. Um, that's all those weeks of preparation, all those long bikes and those long hours and the weekends away from family. And, and then you just sit on the couch and just like all those other athletes, you realize, oh my God, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it took me half a day to, to post something on Facebook and to get some, some advice and some, uh, some good vibes from fellow athletes and fellow ITLers uh, before I realized, talking to my coach, by the way, before we realized hey, Cozumel uh, is still on the calendar on the, the exact same date as Arizona would have been. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is about four days from now. So mm-hmm. yeah, three is a charm, I guess. Louisville um, <laughs> after Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as it stands, it really is happening. Um, with all those deferrals, my next year is booked. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to pay a single race fee. I'm going to have like six races. <laughs> That's going to be an amazing year, I hope. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. And so as we sit here and as we're recording, where is it Sunday? The race is on Sunday? Yeah, yeah correct. Okay, so, so we're four days out from race day. How are you feeling? Um, nervous, uh, a little bit. Uh, it's, it's not a bad nervous. It's, it's not like, oh, it's not a, a panic or like what is going to happen, but oh, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've, I've never done this distance. I, I've, I've done a few events that are a few hours or several hours long, but not a, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 hour long race. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but mm-hmm. so there's the, the, the jitters of the unknown, if you will. Sure. Um, and then on top of that, it's, I know that I'm ready. Um, to me, unless something weird happens, like halfway through, I start to have an injury or whatever, knock on wood. Um, I, it, it, to me, it's not a matter of if this will happen, but what's my time going to be? Am I going to be able to do 13 hours or not, or faster? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, I, I think I'm ready. I did notice the last couple of weeks <laughs> and I just got confronted by my coach by that, uh, on that last week, last couple of weeks, I've been slacking a little bit. Really? Like those, I don't know. It was, I think an 18 week buildup. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready for it now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm fit. I can do this. And uh, I think the, these last two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, the first time ever in these past three years that I thought I have to run or I have to go on a bike because it's on my schedule mm-hmm. rather than Oh, what's on my schedule for this week? Let's do this. Hmm. So I, I think that mentally I, I really am ready for Sunday to be, for today to be Sunday, if you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I get that. Um, and I think also, you know, we've talked on this podcast earlier this year about how when, when plans change and stuff, that can be very demotivating. Um, and, and that can be very stressful, you know, that, that you had kind of, you had shifted from Louisville to Arizona and then that gets canceled. And even though you pivoted really quickly, um, that's still just like, ah, and that can be just so demotivating and it can be hard just to kind of get that back. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on too, right? Yeah, well, there, there was, uh, but I think that the, the, the majority of people will understand 2020, everybody has experienced things, whether your personal life or in work life or in your athletic uh, experiences it doesn't help to sit around and mope about it and mm-hmm. of course it's okay to feel some at least in, in my opinion to feel some frustration and to maybe express that but after about 10 or 15 minutes will i allow this thing that i can't even point at i can't name it anything other than a disease but why would i have anger or frustration or negative energy and 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 just the only person that has a problem with that is me and, and nobody else. People right. that are an Ironman company, they don't want to cancel races, I don't think. No. Uh, so I figured, you know what, just let it out, let them out of my system. And then what's next? What can I do? And we started mm-hmm. talking about uh, challenge and in Daytona, but that was a have. And ultimately, hey, how about go to Mexico? So that's not a punishment. Let's, let's face yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I, so I've actually done Cozumel. Uh, it was it was the first Ironman I ever did, um, and uh, it is 
it's it's a pretty place to race. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're gonna have some you're gonna have some nice photos, regardless of what your finish time is. You're gonna have some pretty beautiful photos. I can send you a few. Um, but uh, but yeah, for sure. And so so as far as as far as training, then like the physiological part of training. You know, you you had Louisville that got canceled fairly early, actually. It got canceled a few months ago, and you pivoted to Arizona, and then you were able to pivot to a race that was on the exact same day, that's the exact same distance, and and it's not like you went from a flat race to a hilly race or something like that. Um, Cozumel is super flat, but but the races are at least kind of comparable in their topography, right? Um, and so um, so physiologically, I feel like you, your training was probably pretty seamless. Um, what about psychologically was kind of, you know, imagining yourself in Louisville and crossing that finish line and then try having to imagine yourself in Arizona and crossing that finish line and then trying to imagine crossing the finish line Cozumel now, like in your visualizations, has that been a difficult shift to make? Well, I, I want to say yes. First on, on the previous topic, I think, uh, physically there was one big change between Cozumel and Arizona, which I think was going to be the swim where I was really getting prepared for a very cold swim. Wet right. suit, booties, cap. I was mm. swimming that lifetime in the outdoor pool last couple of weeks just to get ready or, or to familiarize myself with that feeling of jumping in icy cold or very cold water and then just continue to breathe. So now I'm probably going to swim in my tri-suit. So mm. that, that is going to be a, a big difference. And now the run is going to be hot, whereas Arizona was probably going to be warm. Right. Uh, that said... Um, psychologically, I think the, what I had been looking forward to was that Louisville shoot that I have never experienced, but I've heard a lot about. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and when that got canceled, well, on the one hand, I want to say that was a disappointment because I saw myself, you know, during, during training hours here on the treadmill, I was looking at nothing, just visualizing the finish. Um, the thing is, and, and this is new to most listeners, I guess. Um, there was a couple of other things going on in my personal life. I had a, a bike rack while training for uh, uh, Muncie, the, the half. Yeah, we're um, going to get to that, but keep going. <laughs> okay, so but, but that impacts your previous question because because mm -hmm. when that happened and it was a quite severe crash, I was already, a lot of pe other people were trying to already convince me that's not happening, buddy. That's yeah. not happening. So I was, I was kind of forcing that vision of, yes, it's happening. Yes, it's going to, it, it's going to have to happen. I promised my, my son it would, so it will. And then it got canceled. I, with hindsight, it was kind of a relief, I guess, that I felt like, okay, I can follow doctor's orders. I can do what I'm supposed to do and not come across like this guy who's trying to do something ridiculous where his body was not yet ready for it or something. Mm -hmm. So I think that overshadowed the the entire process of having to shift my visualization from Louisville to Arizona, which took about, I think I signed up three weeks after the crash. So I was still heavily impacted by the results of that crash. Yeah. And I think whatever's going to happen, it needs to be this year. I promised him this year it's going to happen. Mm. Very good. Very good. So let's talk about that crash real quick. Cause that was a big deal. And it's funny. I, I hadn't, I had almost kind of forgotten about that. Um, because, because, you know, we, we, cause you're like, oh yeah, you're doing this Ironman. And I was like, I, I, right before we got together on this call, I was like, wait a second. He had a super heavy bike crash, like in the summer, not too long ago up in the mountains. Right. Um, it was in, it was in June. Was that it? It was the day before father's day, uh, June okay. 20th. Mm -hmm. So, uh, five months ago in two days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that was in the North Georgia mountains on a rather fast descent. And uh, one thing led to another, my rear wheel locked up and, um, uh, you know, a, co- a corner came towards me. Um, and when you're trying to brake mm-hmm. and your wheel locks up and, and you want your tire to regain grip on the surface, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is to loosen up the brakes. Right. You're already braking because of that corner right. and loosen up the brake. Right. And the corner kind of comes faster, right. you know? Right. So the time I regained grip and then I started braking again. Mm-hmm. It was not only three seconds later, but the corner was, I don't know, right. 20, 30, 40 yards closer. Right. So long story short, um, I crashed into the uh, side rail and I broke my neck. I had some spinal cord injuries, spinal surgery here. Um, got lots of titanium in here somewhere now. Mm-hmm. I got super lucky that there were some amazing people present there. It was a group ride, an ITR group ride. There's some medical professionals there that have saved me. And... Um, yeah, so I was I was in ICU for a couple of days, and the next day on Father's Day, I got my uh, my surgery in the morning, and I got out. It's like you, you can't move, you can't do anything. There have been times where I just lay in bed, and all I moved was my eyes. And there were some really dark moments there. It got real close. Uh, the couple of weeks following that crash and following the release from the hospital, kind of dark. Um, you have flashbacks, you have, you, you think about your life, future, work, uh, kids, uh, uh, marriage, all kinds of things of life. And on the one, and, and, and thoughts kind of go back and forth where on the one hand, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so fragile and, and just that much and it would have been over. You talk to your father who is crying because he thought he was going to lose his son. That's not a pleasant experience you don't wish on anybody. No. And on the other, on the flip side of the metal is where you realize it's weeks and I can walk. I can, mm-hmm. I can use my fingers again. I, I can do all kinds of things. So I think it had been nine or 10 days before the doctor said it was, it was on doctor's orders that I was allowed to ride my bike again on the mm-hmm. trainer course, mm-hmm. because then my legs would keep moving and that would help against uh, block thoughts. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you put me back on the trainer, um, Hey, thoughts start boiling yeah. up. You know, hey, I, I can work out, and I wasn't I, I couldn't drive, I couldn't go to work, so I was here all day. So an hour a day on the bike, sure. And that wasn't too long before it became an hour and a half, and then mm-hmm. it was two hours a day. So even though it was only four or five weeks after that crash, I was really starting to become active. Um, I think three weeks after the crash, I actually signed up for Arizona. And six weeks after, I was cleared by the doctor to, while listening to my body and responding to whatever my body was telling me, I was allowed to start swimming and to start running. So six weeks after that crash was eight week, 18 weeks before Arizona. So that's kind of ha- in, in that space where that, all of that happened. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when, when, when your doctor gave you the, the, the all clear to go ahead and begin doing what you wanted to do, did he know what you had in mind? <laughs> yeah. He, he knew that before he operated on me, okay. I was, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of social socializing going on mm-hmm. uh, and you, you, there's checkups and the next day and a couple of days, I, I spent six days in ICU. So mm-hmm. I have to get to know these people and yeah, uh, you know, those memes about how do you know uh, uh, when you go to a party, who's a triathlete? Don't worry. He'll tell, He'll tell you. Yeah. The hospital knew I was going to be a triathlete. They I didn't let them uh, guess. I, I, I didn't know. Know everybody knew. So, and then 
what happened, how did this happen? That's, that's an opening to start talking about that. Zones. And then he happened to be from Tempe, Arizona, my surgeon. Okay. So that kind of made it really easy. So yes, he was aware. Um, I was adamant about bringing my wife to those meetings to not get into a situation where mm -hmm. I, I'm clear. And then people would say, really? Yeah. No, really? She was there. She, you know, she heard. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, and we really made a point out of, um, look, doctor, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. It's going to be, you know, mm -hmm. 18 hours a week or 15 or 20, whatever. Um, it's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be a lot of swimming, uh, a lot of movement up here. Is that going to be okay? So we, we, we tried to make it easy for him to say, don't do this, man. It's not smart. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. And he said, just continue to listen to your body. It's good. You're okay. Um, you're healed. All kinds of x-rays, MRIs, and CAT scans. And, you know, you get that green light and, oh, the, the world looks brighter and, and it's, it's a happy place. That's where Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. Very good. Well, yeah, the, the medical professionals differ pretty widely as far as that goes. Um, you know, I, I, when I had a heavy crash several years ago, um, a doctor pretty much, he, he discouraged me from doing PT, which was a, an enormous mistake on his part. Um, and, and just told me basically not to do anything at all for 12 weeks. Um, and so much so that I, I went back to him at nine weeks and said, look, you have to let me do something. Um, like, like I'm, I'm kind of going nuts here and, and I'm pretty much feeling back to normal. And at this point I'd already started PT, even though he, he said it wouldn't be worth anything. Um, which of course the physical therapist thought was insane. And I, I, I think is, I think so too, um, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he just had this real conservative approach, um, that, that written didn't really jibe with athletes. So, um, I was just, I guess I was just fortunate, fortunate with the fact that he was, Maybe it has something to do with with the way in which he was educated or where he was in his life. Mm -hmm. uh, are we talking about a, a person who is about to retire or somebody who is up and coming in his career, or maybe ha is very active himself or has never been that active? Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I didn't discuss his background as much as we discussed mine, but I was just fortunate to have uh, his support there. Um, otherwise, I, I would not. Have, I then I would have very easily been able to convince my son that it would have had to be 2022 20, 21 yeah, yeah uh, for sure uh, for sure no, with his blessing i started uh, uh, training again and it's getting so close he's he is actually excited he literally told me that half an hour ago um daddy i'm so excited you're going to be an iron man he said hold on for all we know i get to the starting line let's, <laughs> let's, let's do that first and when i do that let's get to the finish line that's right that's right I am one because I'm currently I'm not one. Right on. Yeah. The first goal is always a starting line. The second goal is always a finish line. And then there can be plenty of other goals after that, but those always have to be the first two. So very good, particularly with, with those long course races. Um, so let's talk about then, let's get back to the race itself. Um, what are you nervous about and what are you excited about? Um, I think the best way to answer that question is to explain the comparison. Like I said earlier, I was preparing for a very cold swim. And now I'm going to swim in the Caribbean in yeah. extremely clear water. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super excited about that. It's yeah. uh, um, it's going to be salty water. It's going to be it's going to help me out, keep me afloat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be salty water. I'm going to be swallowing that. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things, right? It's just the little things. But there's there, you know there's jellyfish in the water too. Do you know that? I, I sharks, jellyfish, whatever. Well, I mean, I mean the little bitty jellyfish. And so, so you're, you're going to feel the jellyfish stinging you a little bit. 
Um, and, yes. and it's, it's the worst pain of the day. I'm going to uh, have a good day. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a light enough pain that, that like, you'll be, ha- you, this is what's going to happen, Addy. You're going to get halfway through the swim and you're going to be like, what's that weird scratching feeling I have my chest. And you're gonna be like, Oh, that's the jellyfish thing in me. Like, like what George said. Um, that's what's going to happen. Weird scratchy feeling on my chest. I'm halfway through the swim. I'm going to say, oh, George. Okay. Oh, George told me that I was going to feel this. <laughs> it's the jellyfish. Yeah, that's what it is. So it's not like anything that's going to slow you down or anything like that, but it's just going to be like, what is that? Oh, okay. So yeah. So that's yeah. something else to look forward to as well. So, and and then um, after after the, the swim, I think the bike is my favorite. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Right uh, I heard it was earlier i heard it was rather flat mm-hmm. but it's really windy mm-hmm. um, be, yeah. so, so there's pros and cons to that mm-hmm. um i think the the one thing whether it's bike or run it's the heat mm-hmm. that i have not been really training in i mean we live here in the south it's kind of warm but mm-hmm. it's november it wasn't mm-hmm. all that warm i i ran in 60 degrees today mm-hmm. is 50 i think mm-hmm. yeah. so these last couple of weeks have not been hot They've been nice to be outside, but not warm, comparable temperatures to be uh, to be training for. So I'm a little bit, well, worried is maybe a large word, but it, it's getting to that point where, oh my gosh, please let me stay on top of my hydration. Mm-hmm. Um, and any time and every time where there, I see water, I'm other than seawater that is, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink water. It's I'm gonna have to cool down. I'm gonna have to dehydrate. So that is something that is somewhat new as of. Four, four or five days ago mm-hmm. um, I think I'm prepared for it um, I, I have ran in uh, hot conditions here in the south in the past so I kind of know what I'm talking about I I, I I guess which is both a good thing and a bad thing I, I know it so it's pleasant but I know what it is and that's not pleasant yeah um, so all in all I think I'm excited to have the opportunity I'm excited that my wife and children are going to fly in on Saturday. They're going to be there. I'm going to go there together with a couple of other uh, our fellow athletes here from the from the Atlanta area. Um, I'm not going to be, you know, all alone in, in a crowd. There's going to be people that uh, know me and, and and whom I know. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I was anticipating being somewhat alone in Arizona, and uh, this is definitely a step up. Awesome. Very yeah. good. Very good. Well, we are going to let you go do your race and then, uh, and then we're going to circle back around with you after your race to hear a little bit about how it goes, but, uh, excited about that. Um, Addy, good luck, man. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long road. So, uh, so definitely enjoy the last few days here before your Ironman soak in the experience, man. And we'll, we'll catch up with you afterwards. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Okay, so there you have Addy's expectations, anxieties, and as promised, his uh, very rough road to get to the starting line of Ironman Cozumel there. So um, I will mention a couple quick things here in the middle. First of all, I want to say that Addy is going to talk a little bit about his coach, and his coach is a guy named Judd Davis, who works for ITL Coaching and Performance, who is one of our sponsors. Um, 
he and Judd worked together throughout this entire process, um, and needless to say, Judd had to make some some adjustments, uh, not only because of the severe injury that Addy sustained this summer, but also because of the way that races kept canceling on him here in 2020. And so uh, Addy was able to rely on Judd to do that, just like athletes are able to rely on all the ITL coaching and performance uh, coaches to do that sort of thing. So uh, don't forget our sponsor there. While we're talking about our sponsors, don't forget about Blue Pineapple Travel as well. Book your travel to Ironman Cozumel or Ironman Japan or Ironman South Africa or wherever it is you want to go, even if you don't even want to do an Ironman when you get there. And so uh, if you're looking for travel in anywhere in the world, uh, be sure to look them up. This is a particularly good time to uh, reach out to Blue Pineapple Travel because uh, they can help you navigate all the various protocols that are in place in different countries around the world in order to keep people safe. Um, the third thing, of course, our third sponsor is Slarex. Uh, if you're looking for a good nutrition product, a good hydration and fueling product that will take you through not only your training, but also your racing um, at Ironman distance or any distance, um, check out SlayRx. Uh, they have tailored blends that you can use for your specific sweat rate, um, and you can learn more about that at SlayRx.com. So let's hear the second part of our interview with Addy, where we get to hear about how the race itself actually went. Addy Wetzels, welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Iron Man Addy Wetzel, welcome back. Yes, thank you, George. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. So congratulations are in order. You did finish the Ironman. You are an Ironman. They announced your name as such at the finish line, uh, which I got sure. to watch, which was cool. So you're drinking out of the mug, I see. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, this was a 70.3, but um, still, it's it's like most people, I guess, like most tri triathletes, everything in the house, whether it's clothes or things like this, it's all Ironman or triathlon related nowadays. Right on. Very good. Do you feel different well, having, uh, having done it now? Sorry? I said, do you feel different having done it now? Yes and no. Uh, um, there's, I mean, at the end of the day, you wake up the next morning, it's just the next day, right? It's not all that different. But there's a, there's a bit of a, I don't know, an, an unknown, an uncertainty that's gone now, that's known now, um, which which I really appreciate. It's it's no longer a question, can I do this? How will I feel about this? Uh, which was always lingering a little bit in the back of your head. How is this going to work if you're going to be performing a sport for more than, I don't know, 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours? And now I know I have done this once, so I don't see a reason why I couldn't do it a couple more times. Right on, man. Very good. Yeah. Very good, Addy. Congratulations. Well, take us through Thank it. So, so let's start with race morning. Tell, tell us how, how you got up the morning. How, how did it all go? Yeah, so to, to give you an idea there, uh, this was in Cozumel, right? And uh, which is an island off, off of Mexico. And we were in the same hotel with a couple, couple of athletes uh, from Atlanta, as it turns out. Mm -hmm. um, got up at around five o'clock I, I guess 5 30 met downstairs to grab a taxi or, or a um a shuttle to t1 and i'm actually going to stop you because because I, and i should i should have said this before you had to get to mexico um and you had to get all your stuff onto cozumel and all that sort of thing and so that's not really like a straightforward pro process it's not as if this was just like a race up the street or something um was that a smooth Correct. process getting down there and, and logistically getting all your stuff on site and everything how'd that all go 
Yeah, that was not smooth at all. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. I had that under the, the fifth uh, uh, section under circumstances, including the weather and the logistics of getting there. Um, I'm, I'm happy for those people who have done it in the past who have done it, you know, smooth sailing. Uh, for us, it was not that. Uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's an island off the coast of uh, the peninsula of, of Mexico. Mm. And... Um, Everything appeared normal, arriving in Cancun, driving down to the ferry, but then having to catch a ferry across the sea for about 12 miles. That's what I've been told. And that ferry got canceled. It was rough. It was storm. It was horrible. And there was a lot of unknown. Uh, you're in, in a foreign country where the language, I, I don't speak it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the people who live there speak some English, but I have the idea that they figure out when they speak English and when they don't speak English. Okay. They've, they've got a knack of, uh, no habla español. Um, they know when to say what. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, there was there was some uncertainty. It was very unpleasant, I tell you. We got stuck in Playa del Carmen. Um, granted, from a little bit of a distance, not the worst place in the world to get stuck. <laughs> but if you are getting ready for a race and you got your 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 bike bag and your suitcase and uh, I had some extra stuff because I wasn't going to make a vacation out of this. And all of that, and you're standing in line in the heat, and all of a sudden people say, with all this storm going on, nope, no more ferries. See you tomorrow. Mm. But my hotel is on that side, and my race is on that side. And, mm. yeah, that's just not it. Um, we looked into charting a, an airplane, like a little four- or six-person Cessna, um, where – uh, we were with a group, and as a group, we decided uh, that was that not everybody was on the same page, and we said, okay, let's stay together. Let's not do it then. So we caught a hotel on the other side and just hoped for the best for the next day, mm-hmm. which was still stormy weather. So you start thinking of other alternatives and, and maybe another ferry. Um, long story short, I got there, but it was all but normal. My family got there. Same thing happened there. They should have arrived at around two o'clock, and they they ultimately spent four hours waiting in the burning sun. My wife and three little kids. Hmm. I'm glad I didn't have to switch places with her on that Saturday afternoon. But wow. uh, three so, and a half hours so what, there. And, what day was this? So the race was on Sunday. What day was, was this that you were that you were having all these issues, literally getting to the start? Yeah. So. I flew in uh, together with a fellow athlete on Thursday morning. Okay. I flew into Cancun and drove to the ferry and I had to stay there and ultimately ended up being there uh, Friday around five or six o'clock in the evening. Oh, wow. Um, is that true? A little bit earlier, I think. And it was earlier because I ended up making athlete check-in Friday afternoon. Barely. Um, and, and, and you have to check in on Friday for, for correct. And you have to nowadays with COVID, you have to pick a slot. Yeah. So you can't just show up. Well, at mm-hmm. least that's what they told us in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately I did end up being getting there and they didn't ask me which time clock were you in. Okay. I mean, these people live in the island, they they know about the storm, they know about the ferry. Okay. Um, and it was really deserted. So the idea of time slots was to not have too many athletes at that mm-hmm. particular place at the same time. Sure. And that was still the case. Okay. Um, so, so this is seated there. Um, but you don't know all of that on Thursday. On right. Thursday, you're thinking, what if? All right. these horrible what if scenarios go through your head. What if I can't even get there? 
what if I do get there and my family doesn't get there? What if mm. I get there, but my suitcase or my bike doesn't? Or wow. um, like I said, ultimately we we did end up getting there. So okay. uh, with hindsight, it's all great. But in the moment, it was not pleasant. And then my family was supposed to get in, uh, arrive on, on Saturday, and they ended up Saturday. That This was at 6 p.m., mm-hmm. um, which meant for me that there was – well, it sounds maybe a little bit exaggerated, but a bit more stress on the Saturday than sure. there ideally would have been. Sure. Um, also more walking because I was mm. preparing to catch them from the ferry and catch yeah. a ride to the hotel together. So there, I was on my feet more. And when I did the marathon in Chicago the year before last year, um, that that was not a, a pleasant thing to do, to walk around a lot the day before a long yeah. race. That was in my head as well. Am I doing the same thing here or, or not? But mm-hmm. uh, it all worked out. I got my bike assembled on Friday. I did a little test drive. There was some minor things going on. They were supposed to have a bike mechanic at the participating hotels, but the bike mechanic needed the ferry to get to the island. So mm-hmm. that didn't happen. On Saturday, it got all straightened out, smooth. We dropped the bike, the bike gear, or the running gear, one of those bags. Um, so ultimately it all worked out and I was able to go to bed early, uh, got a little bit of sleep, didn't sleep too good. Those all three nights really. Um, and now we do get to that Sunday morning, got up really early as a group of, uh, I believe five athletes and a Sherpa, uh, um, only the athletes were officially allowed in the, uh, mm-hmm. um, in the swim start. So the swim, it's a point to point swim. So the swim start and T1 are two different locations. Okay. Those locations were um, uh, athletes only. As soon as you leave that location with your bike just before the mountain line, that's where a lot of uh, spectators were. Okay. Um, but we got to, I think we went to the T1 first and then got a new shuttle back to the swim start. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we had plenty of times. Transportation was very well taken care of. Lots of buses. Sure, you have to wait in line a bit, but you see mount, you know, buses lined up. So at that point, you dropped everything off. You're you're in the routine, and then it's just a matter of okay, let's just be patient, get a, a little bit of nutrition in, and um, then then I was starting to, on the one hand, settle in. On the other hand, having those those healthy nerves, like sure. it's about to start. This is about to happen. This is real. Yeah. I'm part of this group already. Um, and then you got to, we got to the swim start. Uh, I mean, this is Mexico, right? This is a tropical mm-hmm. uh, place. So it's the temperature is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a little bit of uh, food and, and uh, a gel and a banana in. They had very long lines, four wide uh, six feet apart, they had markings on the floor um, that was really well um, adhered to, uh, I must say. Good. Everybody wearing face masks all the way up to the uh, where, where you got into the water, where, where you jumped off a little, little pier. Good. Uh, uh, so that was really, really well, well taken care of, I think. Good. And, as, and very fast forward, now that we're on the topic of that corona you know, how they handled a race mm-hmm. during Corona. When you got after the finish line, there were no catchers, but right. they separated the lines a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and ultimately you got a bag 
that included a couple of goodies and a, and a banana, I think, and, mm-hmm. and your mouth, but also a face mask. And before you were allowed to leave that finished area, you were wearing your face mask again. Cool. Which Very good. were in the entire island. So Great. you're just part of everybody who's doing that. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. Very good to hear. Very good to hear. Tell us about the swim, man. So one thing you talked about before is that you had been preparing for this wetsuit swim. And, and then, yeah. of course, you know, you ended up not getting to do Louisville, then not Arizona. And so then you pivoted to Cozumel, you know, less than two weeks before the race started. And now you're doing a non-wetsuit swim in 79 degree water in the Caribbean. Um, how'd it go? And, and then I had a, a person talk to me about uh, uh, some feelings around my chest hair. About know. jellyfish, right? I did make a note that yeah. I wanted to ask if you noticed the jellyfish. <laughs> I did not. I have to admit, I, not, not one time. Oh, uh, no, 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 no rash or itchy. You're too fast. That's all it is. You're too fast. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful location, right? It, mm-hmm. The water is so clear. I have no idea how deep it is. You can just see the bottom at all yeah. times. You see the fish. Um, I'm very happy that I did a very brief, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes test swim the day before on Saturday morning cool. uh, with those fellow athletes. Um, when I got into the water and I swam to, to the left-hand side for about five minutes, I stopped for a minute and I thought, this feels so great. And I vividly remember saying to one of the fellow athletes, it's like a velvet glove surrounding my entire <laughs> body. I mean, everything is great. Cool. The temperature is so good. You you don't notice it. It's not warm. It's not cold. It's for some reason, exactly what it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, and then as it turned out, the current helps you in this particular swim, mm-hmm. uh, since it's a point to point and the current kind of helps. I had anticipated an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes ish, mm-hmm. one hour and seven minutes. I was out of the water oh, wow. and I was not racing as in getting mm-hmm everything out of myself right um, to pace myself for such a long day it was really i was really helped by the current there awesome um so yeah that, that that was great i thought for a moment or i thought previously to uh, to that swim uh test uh, or that practice swim how that that i might not like the salt in my mouth mm-hmm. and and how was that going to affect me mm-hmm. uh breathing or or maybe even some people were talking about getting seasick or nausea, nauseous. Right. No, nothing, Good. nothing like that. Sure, you swallow some water; it's salt. It's not pleasant. Okay, next, just keep swimming. Why not? Uh, very clear. You can uh, you can easily sight even underwater if you want to mm-hmm. follow the person in front of you. You right. can look far ahead, just like a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. You just every now and then sight above the water as well to make sure that that person is actually right. got the correct direction mm-hmm. uh which was a little bit difficult at times because it still is the ocean so there are waves so sometimes you try to and you quite simply don't see a thing mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately uh, a very fast swim a very pleasant swim beautiful water you see divers i must have seen 10 i, I guess every other buoy or something like that yeah. they were just in the water and that's that really allowed me to let it sink in I'm doing this. I'm enjoying the day. This is cool. the advice that a lot of people just take it all in, man. It's it's only one Iron Man that's going to be your first Iron Man. Just enjoy as much as you can. And that clear water, that pleasant temperature, the the help of the current, the help of the salt to keep me uh, afloat, the, the buoyancy yeah. effect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even seeing those divers down there thinking all those little YouTube videos that I watch online, it's people like that that made those videos and i'm now part of this i was right really on. Uh, 
during the swim about that, getting out of the water, looking at my watch, I was, wow, how, how did this happen? I already got 15 minutes on, on my estimated uh, uh, finish time. So really happy about that. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Very good. Through transition, probably not event there. Um, and onto the bike. How'd the bike go? Three loops on the bike on a windy flat bike, right? Correct. Three loops. So it's it's roughly uh, um, uh, rectangular. It's not exactly, but, but ballpark. So that means long straights, very few corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a very technical course other than uh, having to battle the, the elements mm-hmm. a little bit. It's warm and near the end of the bike, it's hot. Yeah. Um, and it's windy and yeah. near the end it's getting very windy mm-hmm. um, so it's it's basically it's it's a loop around the island like you said um, one straight is just that straight against you know you got a headwind right. and then the two where it should have come from the side a little bit they are uh, guarded by, by lines of trees mm-hmm. and then you already do notice that it's somewhat in your back and, and then there's the left, the, the last portion, which is a tailwind. Mm-hmm. I think overall, the I went purely by power. I have no idea how fast I was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just try to maintain that average around the power that I've been training on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt really great. I anticipated about two hours per loop, mm-hmm. um, which was slightly fast in the first one mm-hmm. and definitely longer in the last one. Okay. Um, I didn't exceed the power, so I'm, I, I don't think it was fatigue as much as having thought about it now with hindsight. The the road surface is very different from what we're used to here in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Where here the road surface is a very it's a very smooth top layer of asphalt, mm-hmm. and it rains a lot more over there, obviously. Okay. Um, so they've got a top layer that allows the water to flow away, and when cars drive around it, they don't have that massive spray. Right. Um, it that top layer is a bit more granulate, if, okay. if that's a good way to describe it. But it also causes after four hours, five hours, five and a half hours on, by, on the bike, vibrations. And okay. there's basically four portions, you know, that that or three, your that touch your bike, which is your elbows, your butt, and your feet. Right. And my, on my my feet started to really hurt those vibrations. And I guess I'm pushing a bit too much with the front of my foot. Okay. That started to really hurt mm-hmm. near the end, where I just started to not pedal fluently anymore. Mm-hmm. I started to pull up on the just to avoid anything on my left hand on my left mm-hmm. side. Were you getting hot spots um, on your feet? No, it was really just just that, and was actual very uh, localized pain on the bottom of on the sole on the bottom of my toes on my the ball of my foot well it sounds like hot spots do you know what i'm talking about when i say hot spots well, maybe, maybe i don't yeah okay so 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 it, it almost yeah that sounds like you get hot spots on your feet it feels like the bot that like that light little spot right there on the balls of your feet are like on fire um and so so sure. um but yeah. i the it's reason why really i ask is because because in in iron man cosmel i got really bad hot spots on my feet on both feet um and in fact they got they were so bad on my right foot that um that that like i couldn't run for a couple of months afterwards um wow. yeah but my my logic reasoning is that the, the cause of result uh, uh it, it's the top layer of the asphalt the, those vibrations 
I don't have it when I ride outside here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't have it when I ride my trainer indoors. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the main item that I uh, uh, could, could find thinking back that could gotcha. cause that. Gotcha. How'd you do oh, hydration wise? I know that was something else oh, you were concerned about as well. How, how, how yeah. did you, were you able to stay on top of that? I think getting that advice from a lot of people and not just, hey, Audi, drink a lot, but people were just really hammering this down, Audi, man, hydration, hydration, yeah. hydration. So yeah. um, I just took that advice uh, yeah. a lot. So every aid station threw away the bottles mm -hmm. and, and filled up my front nutrition and, and just mm -hmm. filled up the one in the back and, and made an effort out of getting enough fluids in, right. um, which all throughout the entire day and i'll just grab the bike and the run together when it comes to hydration mm -hmm. um because of all the advice i got i was very much on top of that and good i didn't have a problem with that at all awesome. ultimately but it really was due to that advice because otherwise i would have probably just thought hey, I'll, I'll be fine i probably would have waited right. until it, until you notice which is when it's too, too late. late already yeah um so yeah i was deaf i was very adamant about preventing that from happening, which which I succeeded in. Um, yeah, I think the uh, having had an accident earlier in the year, mm -hmm. I was also starting to get a little bit nervous, especially the day before when we got yeah. on a, after that, uh, uh, that swim, that short 10 minute, 15 minute swim, mm -hmm. we decided, why don't we get on the bike for 10 or 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. And I noticed the wind there to the extent that I was not comfortable getting into my aero position. Interesting, yeah. And that is something that I started to think about, oh, what if, what if? Yeah. Um, but I figured, you know what, as soon as I got out of, out of that water, I felt so happy about the time. I felt great about the water itself, about I'm part of this. I actually just kind of forgot. I just got in my on my bike, which means getting my air position. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I realized, oh, I'm doing this. Is, is this the side wing we're talking about? And obviously after one entire loop, you know exactly which yeah. portion people were referring to. Mm -hmm. You come around the corner, Audi, don't get frustrated or mm -hmm. don't, don't let, you know. Um, no, it's I beautiful didn't. though. That's where your best race pictures probably came from. Absolutely, it's phenomenal. <laughs> that, that, that super windy stretch there. Yeah. And then you're breaking on the, on the cliffs and you, mm -hmm. it's, it's really great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't worry about the time. Um, at all to begin with, uh, like like I, I believe we discussed in the in the earlier version, yeah, uh, earlier uh, recording, um, just get to the start healthy, get to the finish healthy, yeah. and of course I did have you know subsequent if if that is okay then I had subsequent goals. How about if I can do this or if I can do that? Sure, right. Um, but while on the bike, that first loop I did it slightly less than two hours, so I felt really good about it. Mm -hmm. um, after that, I must say I just. I forgot about time. I was just riding my race. It was me in the road, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I, at least I felt it that way. Um, and I was just finishing 112 miles. I ended up stopping for special needs, which I think with hindsight or for a potential next time, I'm not going to do that. I don't. I didn't feel the need. I just mm -hmm. stopped because I had dropped off a bag with some extra yeah. gels. Why didn't I just put three extra gels here in my back pocket? That yeah. would have been fine. Yeah. Um, I, so uh, I think yeah. I think it's interesting, Addy. You say that um, I have found, and I don't just, I don't just say this from my own personal experience, having done a few Ironmans, but I say it also from the experience of people that I've coached and lots of other people I know. That the more of them you do, the more you start traveling lighter. 
Um, and so like you start using less special needs and you start using, you know, if you, you can always tell the people who are doing their first Ironmans when you're in, tra in, in transition, because they have so much stuff on their bike, their bikes are just like tanks. Um, and then, yeah, and, and, and then as time goes on, you start, you start realizing, okay, all this stuff that I had, I didn't use any of it. And so you start no. taking things off your bike and, and you start using special needs less and, 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 and you find a much more streamlined and, and efficient way to, to make it through the race. Um, I, I, not there's anything wrong with that. Not there's anything wrong with doing that the first time. That's just sort of a pattern that I've seen. And so I think that'll probably be with your next Ironman, that'll probably be a, 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 a tweak that you make, I imagine. I, I, I expect that to be the case, yeah. Right. Um, like I said, I stopped, but ultimately, um, it just cost me a little bit of time. I, I have to admit, I was kind of happy to, to break the pattern a little bit after about, what is that, three hours, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, to stand on my feet and to try to walk around with these weird bike shoes and those weird cleats underneath. And, sure. But at least it was a different position for a moment. And mm -hmm. I don't know how long it took me, maybe two or three minutes or something like that. And mm -hmm. since I'm not really going there to PR or anything or to win anything. What do I care about two hours, uh, two minutes? Mm -hmm. um, but with hindsight, I, I really just, I really only stopped because I had dropped off the, ba the bag and I figured this is what you do, right? So I'll just stop and grab my bag. And right. um, yeah, I, I don't anticipate needing that next time. Uh, right maybe right three jelly or something and I can just carry them in my, in my back pocket, like I said. Yeah, I got to where... I, I got to where I would put a change kit in, in special needs and that's it. Like a tire change kit and that's it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I had a, I had a change kit on my bike, um, in case I got a flat in the first half before special needs. Um, yeah. but if I didn't use, and then if I didn't use the change kit though, I would just roll right on through, uh, and not stop a special needs. Yeah. You know? no, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. All um, right. So on to the run. <laughs> And then onto the run. So, so like I said, the, the the back end of the of the bike. I'm going to say about the last 30 or 40 minutes, I really started to feel my my foot there, yeah. um, getting into transition. I really took a little bit of time. Okay, just new socks, those pleasant soft running shoes. <laughs> that was really. Um, I I tried to use these uh, calf compression uh, thingies, mm -hmm. which I've used. Uh, in training, but I don't know why it, it didn't work. I just, within a kilometer, I think, I just pushed them down because mm -hmm. they were hurting my calves a lot more. Maybe it was a temperature that every, or, or the amount of uh, exercise I had done by that time that everything, everything had expanded a bit more and it yeah. was resting more. Yeah. Uh, so that was a bad one. It was the, the, the one time and the only time that I had a little bit of a GI issue. Mm -hmm. um, I figured after... I was really on top of hydration, I think, and even on nutrition with switching from Gatorade to water and back to Gatorade, et cetera. I was very conscious about what I drink when and mm -hmm. every 45 to 60 minutes, my gel and then a couple of bananas. I had a total of two bananas on the bike to spread that out a little bit. So I've got fluids as, as well as somewhat solids in my belly. Mm -hmm. um, and I figured T2, I want something solid in my stomach mm -hmm. and the day before, like I said, it was a bit stressful, and it didn't. I ended up not having what I anticipated I would have, like a bagel with cream cheese or something like that. That's what I usually have. I can have two or three bites from that, and mm -hmm. that'll be fine. Now all I had was a strudel waffle, as you would pronounce it here in America. <laughs> um, 
which me being Dutch, stroopwafels being Dutch, I have those every day. So my yeah. my body is very used to having those, yeah. but not after seven hours of exercise. <laughs> um, so that very much did not land well. Okay. Uh, not to the extent that I got sick or anything. It just it fell inside me like a rock, and it yeah. stayed there. And it was, oh, it was just unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few things that went wrong on the run. My uh, strategy was going to be to walk and run, mm-hmm. uh, run four minutes, walk one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the idea and I had trained with the idea of my watch telling me when the four minutes had passed and when one minute had passed. So, so sure. you kind of load a program into your watch and, right. and it helps you with a, a little uh, uh, audio, a little beep. Hey, four minutes, you can start walking now or one minute, you can start running now. And of course, that has always worked, every single training, every workout, <laughs> but race day. Um, so starting the run, my foot is hurting, my belly is starting to hurt. I come out of that transition, which was uh, a parking lot, a covered parking lot, which was right. pleasant. By but I come out of that parking lot with those calf compression socks on, my belly hurting, my mm. foot hurting. It's my watch not working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was not a pleasant first two, three kilometers, I guess. Okay. Um, that's when this little voice in my head started to say, oh, by the way, you're tired, dude. Mm-hmm. And I tried to just look at my watch every now and then. Oh, it's three minutes, 20 seconds, a little bit more. Oh, uh, so now my you're, you're focused on completely the wrong things. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then I started to hurt. My legs started to hurt. And, oh. I figured, okay, this this is enough, and and I caved into that voice once. Mm-hmm. Uh, with said, "Oh, walking is so much more pleasant, isn't it?" And I said, "Yes, let's walk. Walking is the best." <laughs> and then I thought, "Man, I've been working for three years for this. I've been yeah. busting my chops not to just walk when I was not supposed to, yeah. you know." And uh, I think it took me about five or ten minutes to figure out the next routine. Once I got into it. It was fantastic, and I kept it until the very end. Um, what I remembered was from the athlete briefing, which was virtual, which was basically just a YouTube video nowadays, mm-hmm. um, that the race director was very adamant about, we have an aid station every kilometer right. of the race, which right. is, by the way, uh, an out and back three times. Right. Um, and I figured, okay, how fast am I running? Typically, I aim to run about nine and a half. At this point, I was already probably at 10 or a little over 10 minutes per mile. I figured that's kilometers. I don't know exactly, but probably around seven minutes-ish. Mm-hmm. And I had done that in training as well. I had done four and one, but I had also done seven and two. I figured, you know what? I'm going to run to every aid station. And I'm going to walk every aid mm-hmm. station. Yeah. Now, I don't need to focus on my watch, on time. Mm-hmm. I just look ahead on the road and I, mm-hmm. if I see an aid station that's my goal that's where I'm going yeah. and that's the end of this session or this uh, uh, portion of the run mm-hmm. and I think with hindsight uh, I'm going fast forward and I'll be skipping back a little bit with hindsight that's the one thing I'm most proud of that I mm-hmm. never allowed that voice in my head to do anything else I did keep that I did not walk a single right time during aid stations anymore now, granted, when I say when I say this, it sounds very clear. Uh, I ran to the aid station and I walked the aid station. What I noticed is 
that I was rationalizing a little bit mm -hmm. because at first you start drinking and cooling off the water. And at the end, what, let me ask you this. What is the end of an aid station? Right. Or what's the start? Yeah, that's what I thought you were right? going to say. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you see? It or, now, the start to me <laughs> was very clear. I ran until I hit the, until I touched the water. That's when I start, mm -hmm. started walking. Mm -hmm. But the end of the aid station at first was the last opportunity to grab a drink. Mm -hmm. But after about two or three hours, mm -hmm. it started to become the last opportunity where I can throw away, throw away. my phone. Mm -hmm. And then half an hour later, I was able to throw the bottle back. So, <laughs> so yeah, I cheated a little bit, but as soon as I started running, I was running again. Right on. Um, so I actually, I actually amused myself there a little bit. I, yeah. I was conscious about it and, hey, how about I do this? Yeah, good on you, mate. And I just did that. And I, but no, I, I did end up running and walking with that routine. I, I stayed uh, uh, true to the routine. Um, ultimately the the run was really great it is i would in my mind i've chopped it up into three portions where the beginning of the run like out and back just one stretch i would even chop that up into three portions the first portion of the out is alongside the boulevard next to the restaurants and the bars and there's a lot of music a lot of people mm -hmm. and so energy so you get it, it picks you up right and then there's a stretch where you pass the, the airport on Cozumel itself, which mm -hmm. is, if I'm ever going to do this, where I'm going to fly directly. <laughs> oh, um, but it's a stretch of nothing. It's dark, it's empty, there's nobody there other than other athletes. Mm -hmm. um, so then it's, the mind games start to play a little bit more. And the last portion is where there's a lot of hotels and the they were actually working on the road. They had con road construction there so the we were not walking on uh, on tarmac we were walking on i don't know uh, um, it was unpleasant it was somewhat <laughs> sand but there was also pebbles there was yeah. portions that were a little bit like tarmac or concrete but yeah. everybody was taking that so you were overtaking people really close and right. cutting in front of them to be on that small portion of tarmac interesting um but so he, Every time I figured, you know what, at least it's it's another thing to look forward to. That's another piece of advice that I got from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Don't approach this as one very long race. Try mm -hmm. to chop it up into uh, easy uh, and short uh, portions and easy to, to and portions easy to reach. Um, and in addition to those eight stations, oh, I'm going to run until there. I'm going to walk until there. Mm -hmm. I could also say, okay. Soon there's going to be music and live bands and, and drum bands and things like that again. Or soon there's going to be my family again because my wife and kids were uh, once there and then there. And um, yeah, it was it was helpful. It was diverse. It was challenging, but then again, it, it's supposed to be right. right. Um, so I'm good with it being challenging. I think overall it was uh, it was good that I got into that rhythm. I mean, your fatigue, you're slowing down massively. The run took a lot longer than I thought it would take, but it's 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 not pain in one spot. It's fatigue throughout your body. That's the kind of pain that I like, yeah. um, uh, rather than just one element. Maybe when your knee is troubling you or your ankle, that that's quite simply a different type of pain. Yeah. Um, where with with hindsight, I'm glad to say, after about two or three kilometers on the run. That was gone. Those, Good. as we call them, hotspots. 
they were gone. It was just yeah. just tired of over twelve hours of of uh, participating in this in this race. Right yeah, on. very good. And you crossed the finish line, and you weren't there for a PR, but you know, each first Ironman, you got a PR. So, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> right on, right on. And then, like yeah. you said before, they gave you they gave you the box, and then the box had a had a mask on. You had to throw your mask on and everything, which is obviously pretty good. I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, and so, very yeah. good. How'd you feel the next day? Did you feel beaten up? Did you feel pretty good? Um, I thought I would feel worse. I had I had prepared for. Um, not feeling the need to even eat or, or my entire body being really thrown off by this immense exercise. Mm -hmm. And I ended up feeling okay, you know, at least my, my belly was. Um, I think if you look, if I try to remember all the feelings, it was really just my quads. Okay. But they were really, really hurt. <laughs> yeah. um, and I now understand what people say when you see a flight of stairs yeah your heart kind of sinks right. and it's like oh, no right, please right. don't uh yeah. it took about three days i think until somebody finally gave me the tip why did you walk the flight of stairs backwards backwards okay. mm -hmm. why didn't you tell me that on monday yeah um uh, uh but yeah, no, it and, was good. and a flight of downstairs is even worse <laughs> so ultimately it was it, i felt really good about things good. uh I, I already felt good on on uh, sunday evening uh, got back to the hotel while the family ordered dinner. I grabbed a shower and I already was able to come down and, and have a couple of bites to eat with them. Um, got up early the next morning um, and we ended up getting the ferry back, getting back to Cancun. And and right there in that area, we stayed at a nice place for a, for a four more day uh, vacation. Right on. Yeah, that's and, and that place actually had flights of stairs to get to my room or to get to the restaurant. <laughs> I was not too happy about that, but uh, as I was texting with a fellow athlete, it's dude, it's Mexico, man. It's, <laughs> if there's a first world problem, is oh, there's there's stairs in Mexico in this tropical <laughs> paradise. And, yeah, well, I I know where that belongs on the ladder of complaints. Right, uh, it's very on the ladder. I didn't even yeah, no very problem. Good. And then you, yeah. then, then like you told us before, you you spent a few more days there vacationing. Your wife didn't you tell us it was your wife's first time in Mexico? Um, Correct. And my kids is first time there. Very cool. Uh, yeah, they enjoyed it uh, to cool. the end. Uh, um, that when I got back three days ago, I got a text from Ironman Mexico. Hey, uh, uh, registration in registration opening up in two days or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of set that out loud, like, yeah, like that's going to happen. <laughs> and I said, look at this, registration opening next year. And I was about to hit the delete button. It says, okay, what, when? Which date? <laughs> really? Already? <laughs> so apparently they really like that location. <laughs> right and, uh, and I think the, the four days of vacation afterwards kind of compensated for the rather unpleasant logistic uh, aspect of getting to Cozumel on the first day. For sure. Um, so it's it's not fitting my race calendar very well. I was going to say, you, are, you already have seven races already on your calendar. You told us that you have all these all these deferred races for next year. Correct. You have seven races. So, And that's actually a nice segue, though. So so what is actually your next race then? So what's next for you, Eddie? You're going to recover from this, and then what's next? Yeah, so I don't really know how long this recovery is going to last because mm -hmm. I was water skiing on Thursday, and I was running on and I was swimming on Wednesday and running on Saturday. So 
I'm just taking it easy because I hear everybody say, you better take it easy after an Ironman. But is that a week? Is that a month? How much should I be doing? Can I be doing? Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll sit down with my coach later this week and, and probably talk about stuff like that. But right at least the races that I'm registered for, um, there, there's a there's a half a, a marathon here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, that's going to be late February, I think, this year. That's right. Yep. That um, that is registered for. Um, so that that's that. And then there's already four Ironman branded events. Uh, May 23rd being the, a full in Tulsa, mm -hmm. and I basically have one every other month after that. Right. Uh, it'll be a full half half full. Okay. Uh, up in and then since I'm from the Netherlands. A lot of people saw some posts on Facebook and stuff. Um, and this week as well, uh, Ironman uh, announced that they have put Ironman Maastricht back on the calendar for the next three years. Right on. So people were saying, hey, Avi, how about you come and do this? This is like... And, and that's that's the actual area of the Netherlands that you're from too, right? Aren't you from? Yeah, that is yeah. about 12 miles from where I've spent 30 oh, wow. years of my life. So I know the area, I know the roads, and, and I would actually have friends and family there to, to see me race. So uh, as soon as I got that, I figured that's not going to work because, and, and the kids were talking about it. Oh, daddy, can we go and see grandma and grandpa? And then yeah. you race. And oh, it's probably while you're back in school because it's in August mm -hmm. and school here in Atlanta starts early August. Yeah. Um, and then I clicked on it, it's like August 1st. Yeah. <laughs> that, and it's a 70.3. That's actually doable because my say, next one was going to say it's like that last weekend. Yeah. yeah. So it could actually work, but the the, the jury's still out on that. But right. uh, it's definitely for Ironman races and it might even be by. All right. Awesome. Very good. Very good, Addy. Well, yeah. congratulations, man. We're proud of you and, uh, and, and uh, excited to see what happens next. And, and more than anything, thanks for coming on the uh, Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast and sharing your experience with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. All right, buddy. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching at Facebook, facebook.com slash performance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at slayerx.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash here4slayerx, that's the number four, here4slayerx on Instagram at here4slayrx, again the number four, and on Twitter at officialslayrx. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.